Hello, I'm John Ellison. Welcome to episode 96 of Petaudry PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Andrew Shiny and Dave McDermott. So here we are recording this episode on the afternoon of Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. And later we'll look forward to the Dons next home game versus Dundee. Maybe a brief look at the national friendly against France as well, which is uh, this evening as we record. All that though, after a look back over the week that was. And because of the international break, no Dons match as such in the Scottish Premiership. There was, however, action in the northeast and within the various levels at the club. So let's start there. The under-18s had a match against Caledonia Braves on Friday evening in the Scottish Youth Cup in Motherwell. And before that, an Aberdeen eleven made up of a few of the youth squad and some of the first-team fringe players took on Fraserburgh in the Aberdeenshire Shield on Wednesday evening before that. Do you want to uh, take us through those matches, Andrew? Well, if we do them in chronological order, start with the Aberdeenshire Shield game against Fraserburgh. Uh, as you see, um, half a dozen bench warmers uh, from the first team squad, um, three of whom you have to say have had little or no game time. Uh, that's uh, Ordadia, uh, Rhys Williams and Vinnie Bizawin, uh, joined by some of the, the promising youth players and some of the lads that have been out on loan uh, for Martin, for example. Dylan Lobin and Adam Emsley started the game. Uh, but up against a, a, a good Fraserburgh side, uh, a side that's played Aberdeen in a pre-season friendly, but uh, it ended up 2-2, went straight to penalties, and there Aberdeen held their nerve better than, than Fraserburgh, I think, and edged through 4-3 in penalties. But um, I'd have to say that none of the, the first-team guys did anything to push their cases for an advancement into the, the starting eleven of the first team, whereas the young boys um, did extremely well. Indeed, the goals came from two youngsters. Adam Emsley got the first mm -hmm. equaliser after an outstanding opening goal from Scott Barber for Fraserburgh. As good a goal as you'll see at Petaudry all season. And uh, I hope somehow or other that um, a wee bit of footage of that goal can come out uh, on social media because it is a belter. Um, then uh, Brian Sargent puts the Brock ahead, but immediately uh, young Alfie Stewart, captain of the under-18s, with his first... Three touches of the ball, I think. First one, bring it under control. Second one, nick it past the defender. Third one, stick it in the back of the net. That took it to 2-2. And it was interesting in the, the shootout, Esther Sockler took the first one, scored. Bobby Gay took the second one, still coming down. It never came close to the goal, flying over the bar. Um, but then it was three youngsters, Adam Emsley, Dylan Lobin and Finlay Marshall, who were entrusted with the job of getting Aberdeen through, which they did. Uh, aided and abetted by Ross Dewan making a couple of good saves in the shootout. So uh, they're through and they'll play Tariff United next. That game's tomorrow night. But, um, you know, as I say, the first team boys, Barry Robson was sitting just behind me in the stand and judging by some of the comments that I heard being fired at Barry and some of Barry's comments, um, he wasn't overly impressed by what the fringe players did. So I would assume that probably all these guys will get another run out at Tariff or a night, so they'll have to take on board the rollicking that I'm sure they got after that Fraserburgh game and show up far better against Turriff if they're to have any chance of pushing themselves into the first team picture. Moving on to Friday, 
As, as you say, it was a Scottish Youth Cup tie game down in Motherwell against Caledonia Braves, and Aberdeen won that one 2 0. And but for the Braves goalkeeper, and I think it would have been more comfortable in the 2 0. But Joe Teasdale and Finlay Marshall again got the goal. Super fit boy, this Finlay Marshall. Um, you know, he, he played really well against Fraserburgh on the Thursday. He did come on as a second half sub in the Youth Cup tie, but he got the goal that, that clinched uh, their. Uh, advancement to the next round. So, uh, a, a good week in a lot of ways for the young boys, but some of the older heads need to take a leaf out of the youngsters' books. And when they know that they're, well, on Wednesday night, it was great for some of the young kids. They got the chance to play at Pataudry, which they so seldom do. But they took full advantage of that. And when you're playing in front of the first team manager, I think you really have to treat it as though it's a first team game and show the same level of commitment that you would if it was Celtic or Pataudry, regardless of who the op- opposition is. So um, that's something that I'm, I'm sure has been drummed into some of these boys that were, were featuring on Wednesday night. Yeah, I saw a fair amount of rumbling about a team containing Esther Sokler and Papi Habib Gay and Angus McDonald, Reese Williams, or Dadia, uh, with Centre Bajain, as you said, all involved at some stage, having to come from behind twice and needing penalties to progress. I mean, I understand it's a team that's effectively been thrown together, blended with the under-18s, but you would think it should have been more comfortable, wouldn't you, Dave? You would, and uh, I mean, I, I had a coffee with Andrew on Friday morning, so I know exactly what he thought about uh, the, the performance, but I've also spoken to other folk who exact, exactly the same reaction. The first-team fringe players did not do nearly enough to try and stake a claim. Whereas the youngsters, that was the, the, the one positive for, for Barry, was that the youngsters were really showing their potential. And they'll be knocking on the door for the first team before some of the more experienced guys, the way things are going. But uh, it is disappointing because you do expect, you would have thought, given we're in Europe, given all that's going on, that these guys would be, you know, bursting a gut to, to really prove to the manager that they deserve a shot. So it is disappointing. And you would have expected to be more comfortable Take nothing away from the Brock. They obviously put up a good fight and it was them that deserved very much all of the plaudits on Wednesday night. Yeah, and for the under-18s, Andrew, you mentioned, I think, in passing there, what's next for them? Um, well, looking at the fixture list, they don't have another fixture scheduled until the 3rd of November. So it looks like they could have a couple of weeks off. Their next scheduled fixture is a, a home game against Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton, who, of course, are defending champions of the under-18s league, but uh, not going quite as well this season but uh, I think for, as I said, there's this game at Turriff tomorrow, so I would imagine that quite a, a number of the young boys will be playing in that. Um, and some have been away in international duty at, at different levels. So uh, it, it's possibly a good time just to have a wee break because, you know, if, if you're playing, if we're hearing Barry talking about the first team and some of them struggling with two games in a week. It's even harder when you're a young kid um, in your first year as a professional being used to being in, working in the football environments virtually 24-7 and playing a lot of games. So it's maybe a good thing to have just a little bit of a break. But because of the numbers in the under-18 league, there's only 11 teams in the, the top flight. I think that they have maybe decided, right, we'll have a wee break here because of international duties, etc. And maybe a, a wee chance for some of the clubs that have had uh, games called off for whatever reason uh, previously, just to catch up. So um, as far as I'm aware, I haven't seen anything to refute this, but as far as I'm aware, next home game will be at Cormac Park 
3rd of November against Hamilton Aggies. My maths isn't very good either, but you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, Andrew. If there's 11 teams in the league, there'll always be one sitting out at weekend. Oh, there's yeah. always one that sits well, okay, out. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's got that right. I think your maths should be that good. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only in Scottish football that you can you can have a. It looks it's it's described as the the CAS under eighteen elite league. Right. It's got a odd number of teams in it. Yes. Uh, Odds to AFC women, a brighter start, uh, coming unstuck slightly with some defeats in the last few weeks from Hebs women, Dundee United women, and on Sunday pass, even though they had home advantage at Memorial Stadium, it was a big ask against Glasgow City women. The match finished 3-2 to the visitors, but Aberdeen made the champions fight for it, and they had to come from behind to earn the victory, Dave. The Dons take, should take a lot of heart from that going into their next match. Yeah, very much so. I mean, despite the fact Glasgow City had had a, a pretty rough week of it because they were hammered by Brand in the Champions League in midweek, so they weren't going into the game with anything like the confidence they would have hoped. But for the, the, the ladies to lead um, Glasgow City 2-1 at one stage, well, that's absolutely fantastic. It was a, a lot closer than I think in their wildest dreams that the girls would have thought they'd have got. But that should give them an awful lot of heart because Glasgow City, along with the old firm, are one of the top three three sides uh, in the in the country by quite a country mile. So, uh, no, take lots of heart, lots of good performances, and just disappointed at the, the goals, the manner of a couple of the goals they lost. But uh, it, it does a lot better for the rest of the season and we're heading in the right direction put it that way and that uh, next match is against Pontic Thistle Women on Sunday afternoon at Balmoral Stadium that one kicking off at 4pm and a brief word on the under 14s to do part in the inaugural Craig Brown Memorial Trophy at Cormac Park over the weekend uh, featuring some teams where Craig had either played or managed over the course of his career as well as other invited guests the lineup consisted of Rangers Manchester United Dundee Motherwell Cliftonville Bohemian Preston North End and the Dons uh, and I'm delighted to report the Dons won defeating Rangers 3-0 in the final now for the senior team next up on Saturday Dundee at home as we welcome back Tony Doherty to Pataudry visiting with a, a second premiership club but this time uh, as a boss in his own right we said it last week Andrew but one we should take all three points from at home yes you would assume so um, we've got to start winning home games uh, on a, a regular basis um, to really get ourselves up the table because we're still in the, in the, the wrong end of the table um, but Dundee have shown that they're they're capable on their day they will be very well organised as you would expect with a Tony Doherty side uh, but man for man Aberdeen should be stronger but as we all know we've said it so many times games of football are never played on paper it's 11 v 11 and it's who wants it most um, never more typified than that Aberdeenshire Shield game that I watched last Wednesday if you've got guys who aren't at it, um, you can get trampled all over. So Aberdeen have got to be at their best. They're, they're going to have a few guys coming back from international duty. Um, Boyan Mayofsky is involved this afternoon in a friendly against Armenia, but he's on the bench for that one. But he played, I think, the full 90 minutes or most of the 90 minutes for North Macedonia against Ukraine at the weekend. Um, then Richard Jensen could be involved tonight against Kazakhstan. Slobodan uh, Rubicic, he's one guy who has really benefited because he's won his first international cap. Now that's a huge step forward for any football player. Um, Serbian-born, but representing Montenegro, and he could be playing against the country of his birth tonight. Um, so uh, it's it's been a big week for, for big Slobodan. And Jamie McGrath as well, 
uh, played against Gibraltar last night for Ireland and set up their third and fourth goals. So although he didn't get himself in the score sheet, he's taken his cap tally into double figures. He's created a couple of goals for teammates. So he's going to be coming back full of confidence, I'm quite sure. So as long as all the, all the players that have been away come back fully fit, then Aberdeen should definitely fancy their chances against Dundee. Well, let's do the uh, the score prediction then for Aberdeen versus Dundee in the Scottish Premiership, so long as you remember it from uh, <laughs> from last week. Uh, let's do that one. Dave, first of all. Yeah, remember, of course, they're playing in front of that huge American TV audience that are tuning in especially for Aberdeen against Dundee in the Scottish Premier League. Uh, and I think I went 2-0 last week. So I'll go 2-0 this week. Andrew? Uh, I'm pretty sure I said 2-1. I'm delighted to hear that Dave said 2-0 because I couldn't remember if I said 2-0 or 2-1. I think I I did 2-0, you did 2-1. I think that's the way we did it. But um, yeah, once again, it's a a 6pm kickoff um, because the American owners of both clubs um, wish to have that. Although our American owner, ironically, is going to be at Pataudry. So he won't be driving the streets of Atlanta with a loud hailer out of the roof of his car going, tune in to Red TV International to, at lunchtime today and watch my team playing against Dundee. Uh, so um, it's, I'm not 100% convinced that it's an experiment that's going to catch on in Scotland at this 6pm kickoff. Um, but hey, I, I think there's there's still a good number of tickets sold for the game. So um, Aberdeen to win it, but narrowly. Okay. Uh, Scotland travelled to Spain for their fixture on Thursday, knowing a point was all they needed to qualify for Euro 24 in Germany, but that it would be a tall order to get it. I thought they did uh, remarkably well, considering, Andrew, but, um, you know, for a disallowed goal, a slip from Aaron Hickey and the reversion of Ryan Porteous to the Hibs model, not the English Championship Watford version, we, we, could, have, uh, we could have done it on Thursday. How did you rate their attempt? Um, well, Dave and I were both at the Tivoli watching Lloyd Cole and a couple of former commotions. A lost weekend. <laughs> lost weekend. Well, he didn't sing that one. Did he um, not? No, no. Um, one of my favourites. It was an excellent gig. Um, and funnily enough, he came on at eight o'clock. He said, hello, Aberdeen. Still nil-nil. <laughs> and he, he came on after a brief interval and said, it's one nil to Spain, just as we'd all been seeing on our phones that Lumen VAR had gone and knocked it off. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Scotland did as well as expected in Spain. I think you always got the feeling that Spain would just have that little bit too much firepower. But no, I think what we did see is that Scotland, who of course are now qualified, courtesy of Spain's win in Norway, um, are going to be extremely difficult to play against in the championships next summer because they're so well organised and they have the capability of scoring goals regardless of who the opposition is. Um, so I, I do think that there have been a, a lot of positives to be taken from that defeat, albeit that's, is that three defeats in the spin? No, it's two defeats in the spin. And, well, I think we did forecast that France might be too strong for them in the friendly tonight. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to, you know, erode the confidence too much. Um, had Scott McTominay's free kick been allowed, would have been raving about, you know, one of the great goals scored by a Scot, um, particularly from a set piece. And it's incredible how Scott McTominay always turns it on for Scotland. Although he, he, he did have a wee dress rehearsal when he played for Man United 
didn't score two goals in stoppage time to win them their game against Brentford. Um, but uh, no, I, I think you know Scotland are very much on the right track, and I think we'll fancy their chances of at least getting out of um, their group. I uh, I wasn't going to ask this, but I will. I mean, I, I don't believe there's there's much to be derived from still sort of raking over the coals at this point. But uh, should the Scotland goal have stood, Dave? I think you, you do kind of feel that the authorities were looking for a way to disallow it. I mean, <laughs> honestly, it was. I mean, there was no, you know, there was no reaction from from uh, Spain in the immediate aftermath. It wasn't until Varg in, intervened that. You know, all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, quite right, etc. But mm. uh, it, it was a, a harsh one. I mean, really, really harsh because it was such a wonderful strike. Um, so obviously, being a Scot, I think it should have stood. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, technically, technically, the the, the thing was his his right part of his right leg. Uh, was offside. He did, you know, move his arm across the goalkeeper. Although I would, I would debate that you probably do that anyway as you're going, you know, just a natural movement as you're going towards the ball. But the, the thing with it is, if they hadn't changed their mind publicly, if they just doubled down on what they'd said, there wouldn't have been as much fear over at this point with the yeah. Rangers. No, I don't think so. I think um, the, the the whole thing about the reason for the goal being disallowed um, shows. VAR and UEFA's officiating in very poor light and it just adds fuel to the fire stoked by those who say get rid of VAR um, I think if it's if it's utilised properly um, particularly for statements of fact offside well as Dave said you know had it stuck to the original decision offside then you could say yeah okay he was offside and because he'd, he'd moved across the face of the goalkeeper I mean, the touch on the goalkeeper is absolutely negligible. It wouldn't have knocked down a house of cards. Um, but you could argue that, it, yes, he was interfering with the goalkeeper. But I think common sense has gone out the window. As Dave said, look at the reaction of the players. That is the biggest indicator of whether there's foul play or not afoot. Goalkeepers, if the field have been impeded, go down like a sack of tatties, particularly if you've got a Spanish uh, passport. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take anything to put a Spaniard down. <laughs> Look at the, the booking that Nathan Patterson got. Mm. He's armed extension and he brushes the guy goes down like a sack of tatties and the referee goes and books him for it. Mm. Um, I thought the refereeing was extremely poor um, throughout the game. Um, it did smack of the big team is going to get all the decisions and Scotland, you're just a, a wee team. Uh, so, in the end of the day, it doesn't matter which is just as well, because otherwise Thank God, yeah. you go on about it for, for years to come. <laughs> but uh, there's there's still so many things that they've got to get better about VAR, particularly the length of time that it takes to come to a decision. Um, and this changing a decision 10 minutes after the initial decision has been given, that is exceptionally... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If they just doubled down on whatever they'd said, there wouldn't have been as as much of a, a stink afterwards. It's a mix between eerie and brilliant, A, to be qualified, and B, this early, Dave. It feels sort of slightly natural, doesn't it? It does. Um, big thing, I, the difference with Scotland now, apart from the fact that Steve Clark's got them so well organised, they're playing like a club team. They got on, uh, you can tell, you don't have to be a football aficionado to to know that the, these guys all got on with each other. But it's the strength of the bench. These days, 
we've got so many potential match winners sitting on the bench mm-hmm. and you know that can come on and players that would have uh, in normal circumstances been a stick on to start I mean there's Lewis Ferguson skipping Bologna in Serie A and yet he's always on the bench for Scotland you know in, in squads gone by he'd been a, a first pick yeah absolutely um, surely the target now Andrew has to be to try and progress from the, the group stages oh it's got to be I mean we've never ever done it so, you know, there's a glass ceiling there that is to be smashed through. And this squad is perfectly capable of doing that. Obviously, um, Scotland in friendly action, as we record in the future this evening uh, against France, uh, an eight o'clock kickoff, I think. It's oh, no, 7.45. Uh, only a friendly bit, but Steve Clark's taking these games because of a, a desire to progress to that next level, isn't he, Dave? And the only way you can improve against the top teams is by learning how to play against them. Of course it is. Um, although, you know, it's going to be a... You know, chasing shadows, I think, was one of the quotes I read. You know, potentially Forrest and they, you know, it, it probably will be like that. France, very, very talented team. So, but, but, um, I think Steve Clark, now that we're, we're through it, it won't make any difference in terms of his approach, in terms of the seriousness that he, he'll use this as, you know, what we're going to be up against next summer yeah. in, in Germany so uh, it, it should be quite interesting just to keep everybody focused as much as anything else let's do mm-hmm. a, a score predictor for that one then France versus Scotland Andrew I think I went 2-1 France last time so I'll stick with that another thing we've got to bear in mind is not only do we have Euro 2004 2024 um, but our nation's uh, league group we're in the top tier there or, or Section A or whatever, so we're going to be playing against top-level sides now. We're not going to have Israel's and the Georgia's and you know Cyprus and and clubs like uh, countries like that to play against. So it's very important that you you play friendlies like this one against France, just to see you know what more do I have to do to be able to compete at that level, or are we just about ready to compete at that level? Um, so it's going to be important, but I do think France will edge it 2-1. And Dave? I'm going to swap with Andrew. I'll go 2-0 this time, although I hope I'm wrong, obviously. I, I mean, when you're talking about playing the top teams, do you still treat the Iceland game, not the Iceland game, I beg your pardon, the England game in isolation, Dave? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that that, that game, it was what we probably should have too much respect that night. So I think, yes, there's all sorts of factors come into a Scotland-England situation that aren't there and present in any other match. So, yeah, I think, um, and, and it certainly looks by subsequent performances that we have, you know, treated it as just a, a wee blip. Let's get on and back on, back on the wheel again and back on the saddle. And I think that's exactly what's happened. Agreed, Andrew? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it was a celebration game and there was nothing at stake. But I think Dave's right. We showed them too much respect. Get wired into them next time you play against them, boys. <laughs> yeah, kind of hit the ball from Rosehead. Uh, Peter Head are up and running in League Two and, in fact, leading it with a few wins in the spin. Arguably, their toughest test of the season so far, though, came in the form of a free hit at Balmour against Jim Goodwin's Dundee United team on Saturday evening in the Challenge Club. Paid in front of the TV cameras. That one finished 2 0 to United. But as I understand it, Andrew Peter Head gave a, a fairly good account of themselves. Yeah, they did. Um, they conceded early on. Uh, Glenn Middleton's free kick um, sneaking past the goalkeeper, who will probably feel he could have done better. Um, but it took till the 71st minute until Tony Watt got the clinching goal. Uh, a couple of wee half chances, really, for Hamish Ritchie and Kieran Shanks. But uh, I think the. The two managers, Jordan Brown and Ryan Strachan, will be pleased to see that they competed 
pretty well with Dundee United and a horrible night it has to be said that the weather was absolutely dreadful in fact Dave was texting me saying I hope to goodness this weather's not in our way um, but uh, <laughs> it was it was pretty dire um, probably typical Peterhead weather to be perfectly honest at this time of the year mm. um, but United aren't top of the championship for nothing and I think they showed that on Saturday but um, it wasn't a, a, a walk in the park for them by any stretch of the imagination and there'll be positives that um, Peterhead can take forward into their next game which is away to Stenhouse Muir on Saturday Stenhouse Muir who are lying third in the two table, two sides met previously up at Balmore where it finished nil-nil so that sort of indicates there's not a lot between the two sides but Peterhead have got as you said there, John, they've got a few wins under their belt um, and they've got a bit of momentum going at, say, at League Two level. So I, I quite fancy them to go and at least take a share of the spoils, if not take all three points back up the road on Saturday evening. Yeah, I have this funny feeling that um, the nil-nil, the, the was that not just at the very beginning of this uh, this run of... Uh, but just before the, the wins started. The important thing, obviously, is that Peterhead um, treat that defeat that they had to Dundee United in isolation and, and don't let it knock them off their, their run in League Two. Do you think they can do that, Dave? Definitely, because um, I think I think uh, Jordan and Ryan will be, you know, although disappointed to be out the the, the cup, I think they'll, they'll be pleased with the way the squad competed and they, they showed that they can compete at um, a level two leagues above them. So... Um, I, I don't think it's in any way, shape or form will do anything to dent their, their confidence. And like Andrew, I predict them to, to certainly take something from Overview uh, this Saturday. Next time I put a head away to Stenhouse Muir. Now for the Highland League clubs, only a couple of matches went ahead on Saturday. The results in the league games, Fraserburgh 3, Tariff United 0, Inverary Locos 0, Banksadi 2. That means the league table looks like this for Martin and Top on 25 points, having played more games than the Chasing Pack all in 22, uh, with either a couple or three games in hand. In the GPH Builders Merchants Highland League Cup semi-final, Bro Rangers 6, uh, Keith 1. In the juniors, Dave? Well, East End became the sixth local side through to round three of the Scottish Junior Cup by defeating East Cobright Thistle 5-0 in New Advocates Park. And we'll definitely have a club in the fourth round because East End are away to Stonehaven in the next round. Dundee Violet 3, Devon side 0. Finnert uh, 2, Dice 1 were the other scores in that. In the quest for Engineering Cup first round, Bankery 7, Whitehills 0. Bridget on Thistle 2, Frisbury United 2, Cooter uh, 6, Stonewood Park Vale 0, Ellen United 5, near St. Ninian 2, Forest Thistle 0, Stonehaven 1. Sorry, that, that's not Bridget on Thistle 2, Frisbury United 2. I was thinking that's wrong when I read this back. So DJFC 2, Frisbury United 2. It was my feature game at the weekend. I should really know that. <laughs> Glen Tanner 4, Lossiemouth United 4. Glen Tanner going through 4-2 in spot kicks. All Ross United 0, Buckinghamian Hearts 4. Newmark United 3, Dufftown 1. Rothy Rovers 4, Colony Park 1 in the Premier League. Mod 0, League Leaders Hermes 2. Sunnybank 2, Bridgeton Thistle 2. Champion in the Championship, Brookhith so 4. Alongside 3, Isle of Ale 11. Cruden Bay nil. It's not going well for Cruden Bay this season so far. This weekend in the Premier League, East End are at home to Ellen United. Stonehaven go to Maud. Newmarket United against Fraser United. Uh, mostly actually there's championship games, but there's also the North Regional Cup second round matches. Bank City against Stonywood Park Vale. Bridget on Thistle Hall. Russell United 
Cooter at home to Dice, which looks a cracker. Hermes against Longside. Buckinghaven Hearts go to near St. Ninian. Rothy Rovers are at home to Bankery. And Sunnybank play Colony Park. All games kick off at 1.30. And that is pretty much it for episode 96 of Pottery PS for this week. Remember, we publish every Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show too. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pottery PS. We'll see you next time.